We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. This is it, Marriage Lab, and I'm Aaron Nicholson. <laughs> You've got Southern there. <laughs> My impression of and I'm Jenna Marie Jenkins. <laughs> I'm like Scarlett O'Hare, apparently. Let's see if I can do another one. I'm Aaron Zintia. I don't what? <laughs> oh, that was terrible. I don't, oh. I don't even know what I was aiming for. I just <laughs> thought it would come out if I like tried. I jumped in the pool, but nothing came out. <laughs> jumped in the pool, nothing came out. That's usually a good thing, actually. <laughs> That's what we're going for with Wesley. Like, Keep yeah. it in until you're out of the pool. <laughs> okay, so I I want to kind of talk about and dig into some of the stuff that you've been learning and not only learning, but actually walking other people through. Mm -hmm. And I've just been excited about it, um, learning it with you, but also learning it from you at the same time. Um, So, which is, I feel like it's such a role reversal. I don't think I've been in this much of like a learning phase in Mm -hmm. years where you, you, because of like leading men's group, like you've just been so such an avid learner. Um, it's actually been interesting because partially, um, I realized, so in the, like we've transitioned from with turbans, we let go of the employees and, um, brought the office home. So it's mainly me running it. Um, I have hours in my office. Uh, I realized yeah. it's funny how it's like totally different of a transition than when we had hoped and expected. And it's been, some parts have been really challenging, but then the flip side of like, oh my gosh, all this internal growth. I wouldn't have had without the hours to listen to these audible so books, true. like all of them I've listened to in the office. And it's so funny. Ah, it's just, it's funny how I'm like time and time again. Sometimes I tell God that he's this, I call him the spin doctor extraordinaire in my head. And I'm like, there's times when something really crappy happens and I'm like, how the heck are you going to like, good luck, God. I think I finally have bested you with tough things that you can't spin. <laughs> and then I'm like, dang it. So even like watching, like retracing, like, man, what is, what was the instigator for all this? So I was like, Oh my gosh. A really hard thing mm, put yeah. me onto a path of growth and learning like yeah wow and so one of the things i think I, that you've talked about probably the most is how you've discovered that sugar is your porn <laughs> tell me about that <laughs> oh my gosh well i mean you like i said have for so many years digging into purity and what are the roots behind what men in the group do why you porn do what use, you do porn unwanted use. sexual yes. behavior <laughs> yes totally so as you were talking about like these habits and like um like cycles of cues and then binging and then acting out and all the lingo i just i heard a lot of the same things that i did with sugar so i'd have like bouts of um sobriety for lack of a better expression where i wouldn't be overusing Mm-hmm. sugar or food and then i'd like probably like six to seven months stints of sobriety of like because i actually really like being active physically working out i enjoy eating well i just had i would always say it was like a raging sugar sweet tooth but really it was a legitimate sugar addiction <laughs> and then anyways i um so when i was reading some of the books that you had recommended also because i was trying to not buy new books <laughs> From our Audible subscription. Oh, yeah. So I was like, what else did, what does Aaron have in this here? Let's hear a library so I can listen to it. And I started listening to um, Russell Brand's. Russell um, Brand's uh, Recovery. 
Yeah, and he's so Russell Brand, the um, the famous actor, is a recovering drug addict, sex addict, alcoholic, and then food addict. Mm-hmm. So he was talking about his like journey into sobriety, but he, um, because he included his thoughts and use of food, it was the most parallel I had ever. Like it was like an aha moment for me of like, oh. I'm a sugar addict. And it's funny because I remember when you first said that you were going to go to men's group because you had a porn, you were a porn addict. I literally like kind of bristled at addict, the use of oh, addict. Yeah. Because I think like, I feel like it applies like ruining your life. And mm. I wasn't crazy yeah. overweight that I was had health problems from well, it. One of the descriptors of addiction in any kind of the DSM diagnostic statistic manual um, that the psychology world uses to <laughs> diagnose people with they actually they this is their bible they oh, okay. use this book so that it's called the dsm and they have up to the dsm five now but one of the things <laughs> you're such a nerd it's cute <laughs> what the one of the ways that they describe almost every addiction is um continued use despite the negative consequences the, the harmful oh. consequences and so some sometimes you're like yeah but your life is pretty normal like you don't there's not a ton of harmful consequences so can you call it an addiction and in reality, just to speak to that specifically, I don't care. You know, like when it comes to mine, like I, I, when I break my convictions over and over, regardless of whether there is quote unquote harmful consequences, um, I am not okay with that. Like I want, uh, like that's not freedom. Freedom is being able to tell yourself what to do and then do it. And I haven't been able to tell myself what to do for so long. So I need some help. So it, if it helped me to say porn addiction in order for me to go, this is something worth addressing. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, if, if there was somebody who was way smarter than me said, no, that's technically not a porn addiction. I'd say, don't care <laughs> as long as it, it's what got me working on it. So yeah, exactly. So listening to him talk about it and I identifying like, Oh, I have an addiction. Like I'm powerless to stop Mm. is what it felt like. I can't control myself in this area. Um, yeah. But one of the quotes actually I wrote it down because I like it so much. So this is from the book recovery. mm -hmm. We are all in prisons of varying categories, managing our emotions through external means. I know this one more bite, one more sip, one more view, won't work, but it'll give me a distraction from now for now. When the pr- treat becomes an emotional necessity, a survival tool, and the sol- it's the solution I have discovered to the pain of being me. I want to be better than brief interludes of numbness. Mm. And it's like, ah, oh, it's actually, I don't know if I told you this, that's like three or four quotes that I combined oh. together <laughs> but still because when i was taking it he's he had like a poetic cadence to his book mm-hmm. so but it just hit me where i was like oh like like category you know we're better than brief interludes of numbness that was a really mm-hmm. big one where i was like oh i totally use sugar just to numb out like mm-hmm. reward when i'm overwhelmed all the things and then also to um the like to escape it's my solution for now from now like yeah. removing myself that's yeah. one of the the main um, like, and I didn't come up with this. I've definitely stole it from somebody else who stole it from somebody else. But one of the main things that we say in men's group is porn is not the problem. Porn is the solution. So yes, what's you said the so, what's it the solution for? And so for you, like, you, I think I had heard you say that so many times. So then it was like when I realized, like, okay, I have I'm a sugar addict. 
what's the solution? What is, what am I using sugar for? Sugar is not the problem. Sugar yeah. is the solution. What's it a solution for? I realized that it was for me. So I just stopped. I actually didn't mm. know right away. I don't think anyone knows right away. When you hear someone else say it, you're like, well, that's cool. Not me. Or I don't know. You're like, they didn't start there. Like it was a lot of stopping in the moments. And um, I think for me, one of the things I just started doing is when I was thinking, what do I want to eat right now? I mm. stopped and said, like, what am I feeling? Like, I just changed the question out because mm. I was like, I want to get curious. The only way to unravel this is to, like, take a bunch of inventory of different times. And um, anyways, I realized that I was using sugar for comfort. Mm. So, like, when I felt overwhelmed, when I felt sad, when I felt hopeless, shame, mm. I would um, I would turn to food for comfort. And it was interesting because at one point when I was unraveling, like I was kind of wrestling with like, is that bad? You know, like, is it, it sounds okay. Like we say, you know, comfort food, all these things getting food mm-hmm. for comfort. And I felt like the Lord at one point was like, it's faux comfort. Like if, if mm. well, I've heard you say that porn is like f- intimacy without vulnerability. So mm. it's like fake intimacy on some level. Yeah, And I'm realizing like, oh, like, comfort or food as comfort is fake comfort because it actually I listened to one of the other books you in our little audible library dopamine nation and it talks about you literally get a dopamine release when you have sugar or something like that so it's like a high Mm -hmm. so I'm literally instead of actually dressing the pain or shame I am just getting high for a little bit temporary numbness temporary numbness and like all that pain's still there so it's going to be back there when I come down and it wears off and with sugar too like it was interesting I'm, you're so much better at the stats, but like they said something about like um, that doctor who wrote the dopamine nation, the effect of the endorphins that you get or dopamine mm-hmm. from sugar versus like exercise or connection mm. is so much shorter lived. It's like this quick spike. Oh yeah, spike. it's a spike on the mm-hmm. brain scans rather than the prolonged like increase. That yes. So like the idea of like you get it, but then it goes away so fast and the right. crash afterwards, like you need more and more and more. It's like truly like, I mean, for me, it would be when I'd fall off the wagon and do my binge like with sugar, I, I just to clarify, I know some people might have, I never threw up. I don't know if it matters. I'm like just explaining. Yeah, like that's, that would be a different irrelevant. sickness. Yeah. But. A different. Yeah. It would just be like, I could, I would go whole day. I guess I should say like what it looked like for me was I would make a cake and then just eat it over the course of like two days. I would, I would skip meals because not because of calories, but I'm like, I have to have more room for the cake. Like if I eat real food, there'll be less food for the room for the cake. Mm. And I remember like, as I started realizing I was doing this, I just started like, like getting curious, like how long have I done this? And I just Mm. like since high school, like having my own car, my first car, you'd get in and my friends would laugh about the, just the, they couldn't put their feet on the ground because the boxes of candy. Mm. And I would just, I've done it forever. I remember in college, not having money to like fill up my gas tank, but collecting quarters to buy that like bag of sour gummies. And it's funny because now it feels like so, so obvious, like addict behavior, like desperate Mm. for a fix. And even knowing like where all my favorite treats are or when I'm off the wagon, like, okay, I'm going to go hit up um, cookies and yogurt have the best frosted, you know, like I could tell you or cookies and cream at, I could tell you what all my favorite things are and all my ideals at all the different places. And I'm just like, it's like my, Drug of choice for my dealers. I can give you my list. Yeah. <laughs> so comfort was one of those. Um, and what else? What else, What are the other things that you went that it was a solution for? Yeah, I think so. Comfort when I well, like actually like numbing out from pain, but then also I realized um, 
I would say it's a reward a lot. And it was mm. interesting because when it was more obvious pain, that felt like different. But then reward, I'd be like, oh, okay. That's a little more justifiable, it feels like. Totally. I've if, done something hard. Like I can it, yeah. treat yourself. <laughs> you got to do a little treat yourself. Um, anyways, and then I, but then I felt like when I was looking at saying like, what am I, but what is under reward? Like mm. it almost was like this block of don't look underneath it. Yeah. It's enough of an answer. It's it's fine. It's fine. If you said that to somebody like, oh, I, I'm just like rewarding myself for something hard, like nobody would, you know, bat an eye at that. So why should you ever go, what's underneath reward? Yeah. Yeah. But then I started like digging. I was like, no, what is under there? Like if I'm constantly like, I want it's almost like, what's this charge on my credit card? Like yeah. I need to know what this is I for. Should probably figure out what I'm subscribed to that keeps showing <laughs> yeah. up. Exactly. Oh, that's a good analogy. So for me, I was actually laughing because I've heard you say before um, that like kind of common for men, anger, like they're like, I don't know how I feel. I'm angry. I'm angry. Mm -hmm. And they say that it's a secondary emotion. So it's not as vulnerable. So there's usually something under anger that anger is covering because it's. Yeah. Like fear or sadness. Anger would pop up on top because that's a lot safer to feel. Yes. And more socially acceptable with moms. And I was teasing. So what I realized under my reward was overwhelmed. And I was like, that's like the mom version of anger Mm. where I hear it all the time. Like, and I didn't, I hadn't recognized it. I hadn't kind of connected those dots, but I was like, we all say we're overwhelmed. But like for me, as I started digging, I was like, what's under the overwhelmed. And I feel, um, a lot of times when it was associated with the kids, like I felt overwhelmed coming home from carpool and the chaos in the car. And I realized like, actually it was one day when I remember I chose to not numb out with food because I Mm. felt really overwhelmed and like angsty with the kids and I wasn't able to regulate. I literally felt like the need to like, when I want to regulate, go get a reward for sugar. So instead I like went out of the house. Actually I ran, (laughs) you were home and I was like, I'm going for a run. And I like just sprinted out of the house and on the run, I was like able to kind of come back to myself and realize like, Oh, actually I under the underwhelmed, what I was feeling overwhelmed. was overwhelmed was that I was feeling shame for not being able to better manage my kids so mm. that there's continual chaos every, like I have all these tools and we spent all this time in this environment with all these parenting resources yet I experienced this level of chaos. Like yeah. I felt just, sh- I'm like, why don't I have it more together? Like mm. shame. So interesting. So then I just started getting like every time I would feel reward, I dig deeper often find overwhelmed and be like, instead of being like, nope, you're not going to trick me to stay there now. Like what's under overwhelmed and which is ironic. What's under overwhelmed. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Just exploring shame, lonely and expressing it. It was really cool. Cause that day I came back and first off cleaned up my mess with the kids mm. and, and then just expressed to you like the shame and all the things and I was yeah. really well known. I felt known and I was like, Oh, I'm actually processing because I didn't use sugar to just numb out. I'm actually processing. Wow. And it set me on this whole, actually in the last like two months journey of figuring out different, trying different things with parenting mm. rather than just doing the same thing over and over again. If that makes yeah. sense where it made me. Well, cause you can't do anything about overwhelmed. It's just there. It's just you is. Accept it and, a, and you get, so being overwhelmed is a legitimate state of being and and yet there it's also not an actual emotion yeah so if you were to look at the eight core emotions there's joy anger sadness fear loneliness hurt shame and guilt one of those eight 
will be happening when you feel something strong and you would use a word like overwhelmed so it would be pre- it would behoove you to actually ask the question cuz you can be there can be so much going on that you you would it's you would, anyone would call it overwhelmed but is there any fear that you won't mm. be able to get this done is there sadness that you don't have enough time in the day is there shame that you're not performing at a higher level it is you can actually process a core emotion you can't process overwhelm as much as you can mm. complain about um what you're a victim to it doesn't mean you aren't a victim to lots of stuff you could be but you also can't do anything about that you can however process mm. one of those core emotions so yeah. you can do something with it i think um i think too even just realizing that when i had just thought i'm overwhelmed i almost just like had given up and partnered with mm. hopelessness like it's yeah. just going to be a pillar in my life with young kids is overwhelmed so realizing like oh there's an emotion and even what if i use all the tools that i know to do process emotion like mm-hmm. actual like that, that goes back to the comfort like what if i use actual relational tools to practice comfort to mm. process this rather than stay like not hitting it head on because i'm using sugar to numb out until i can't right. handle it anymore i need more sugar and it's interesting how you you did this with sugar i did this with porn Um, And there's lots of other things that we attach this to, but the more that you feel one of those strong emotions and then you act, for lack of a better word, you act out with something unwanted behavior, you start to attach that behavior to that emotion. So it's kind of like Pavlov's dog. You you start salivating when the moment you feel pain because you're like, oh, I know what happens when I feel pain. I get a I get a fix like I get a dopamine spike because this is what I go to and I'm, it's probably the only tool you have so there's no other yeah. option but um, that would be the same thing with overwhelm as well it's like oh this sucks so bad but also I know what comes at the end of overwhelm I have a reason to spike the dopamine in my brain and get some quick relief mm. but you also said there was comfort there was reward. Um, oh, there's also boredom, mm. which I've, it's been interesting. I don't know about, I'll get into that more. I feel like I'm exploring boredom more and actually kind of almost like deconstructing it. Yeah, yeah there is. It's, it's interesting when you actually see things that are, have been in your life that you're like, why have I just been okay with that? <laughs> like, why have I not yeah. questioned and taken, I think because it can feel overwhelm, <laughs> overwhelming, but like such a big task. You're like, nope, I wouldn't survive. Actually, that was interesting as I started Ooh. thinking about not using sugar in these ways, I would, um, what well, Arthur or our counselor had, um, he's uses one practice and he talks about I mean, he somatic our, therapy okay, where you're it. getting in touch with what's ex- you're experiencing in your body and your, so and actually your, your feelings, mm-hmm. your feeling and stuff. And I, um, started when I thought about not using sugar in the way, like as a drug for the things that for comfort, for, um, reward for boredom i would literally get anxious Mm. like i would feel this anxiety like almost like a tightening in my chest and i thought like i'd be like nope nope it's not possible or i can't do that or i won't survive or yeah what's i actually remember thinking too like what's the point of life if you can't wow eat sugar (laughs) no no it's real though like that that's how i because i had used it so often and so frequently like the uh, doing a day without it i mean it's like talking to a meth addict or something like yeah like nope nope 
there's no way. No, yeah. I I remember moments of when I would be triggered and uh, like the preoccupation part of my cycle would start where I can't get my mind off of this. Like I I know what uh, like keywords I can put into the Google search. I know where I can go on Netflix to like stump, quote unquote stumble across. Can something. I do my equivalent? Yes. And I know that if I go to the Walgreens in honor, you know, in lieu of getting the kids sinus infection medicine that I need, <laughs> I could just swing by the candy aisle or one of the staff or even not like, I'm not going to get it for myself. I'm going to make something that the kids can make with, with me, you yeah. know, like, like they want to make a cookies. thousand cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Or even actually, funny enough, popcorn's my gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Where, and then it's like all bets are off. Once I bring out the popcorn, it's like the, um, what's the word? Marijuana <laughs> food <laughs> for me. The it's the gateway drug. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, know, you would get stuck in the preoccupation. But then when I, you know, when, when I was like, I really don't want to do this anymore. And I was like trying to exert all this self uh, self-control mm. and strength of will in those moments, there would be this voice inside of me. And I don't know that I could have articulated at the time, but I'm aware of it now that would say, if I don't see this thing, I will not be okay. I will not be okay. Yeah. Like I, and I th- would think about, okay, um, if I don't go start searching for something now, what will I do instead? And I literally would just, it would look like the, I, I wouldn't have a clear picture of my future, but it would be bleak. It'd just be yes. dark despair. Like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. And that, I mean, you may not call it an addiction, but ugh, that's, that's not sure. living. It's yeah. not living. Yeah. So boredom, I know that boredom for me is when I step, is me stepping into passivity because I'm, mm. I'm wanting I am choosing to require an external force to move me um, because I am unwilling to intentionally do something myself. So that's boredom for me is uh, I when I get step into passivity, but that also creates a moment where I'm like, what will make me happier yeah. right now? And I'm like, well, I know what almost works every mm-hmm. time. Oh, yeah, that's something good you say. What is it? Oh, for me, that was one of the things like I was... L- I would buy, I'd want it to just be enough to buy like a little bag of gummy, like the snack size bag of gummy worms. But then it would snowball to, and I remember at one point I was buying eight, 10 pound bags of gummy bears off of Amazon and they would be in my bedside table. It was when I was like nursing Wesley and I would just be pounding these gummy bears. And I was like, why can't it be enough? Why can't sugar in our bed? (laughs) Get in the bed at night. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like uh, I'm just sitting there wiping for sugar. like five minutes. Just Oh my gosh. But like, um, what did you, Oh, and I remember like being like, why doesn't it work? Why doesn't, why isn't it enough? Like, why can't other people, why can't I be like other people who can have one cookie and they're fine. Right. And you told me you were like, well, there's a the thing we say in men's group is that you can never have enough. It's hard of to get enough of something that almost works. I like the idea of you can never get enough. You can never get enough of something that almost works. Because, and so then, and it's interesting, even just listening to the dopamine nation and different books, like about the brain science of how the endorphin, like you, it's like an addict where you need more of it to get the same high feeling mm-hmm. that you had felt before. So it's you actually reduce, like the brain chemistry behind, behind it is reducing um, the receptors that, in, that the neurotransmitters of dopamine that go from one neuron to the next, there it crosses this little gap, and the receptors pick it up, and that's what like 
that's what makes you feel that. But those receptors go like, especially with a super normal stimulus, like gummy worms, porn, whatever. Like when there's such a huge dump, your brain's like, "Mm, this is too much. And it starts turning off those receptors. So you cannot get the same amount of joy or experience of dopamine out of something less stimulating, like, freaking apple yeah you know like so true or any you know let alone a vegetable like let's not even go there but like or just a normal meal like oh i'm actually pretty thirsty right now but coca-cola tastes so much better that i've had clients they grew up pretty difficult homes or living situations or experience a lot of trauma or teasing and things like that but they most of them were like avid crazy consumers of soda just Mm. so much soda all the time and when they i would get um, one of my clients a cup of water and he's like oh this tastes horrible and i'm like it's water (laughs) this is the stuff you're made out of oh my gosh but i mean it's true it's it's totally true the extreme yeah i think for me with boredom too i realizing like it's the same thing, actually. I had when you said it, I was like, "Oh, that's what I've been saying." Is realizing that, like, I want to be happier. Like, mm. I think maybe you get to passivity, but um, I, my personality type as a seven, and I think other people can relate too. Like, just kind of almost an ad, like a junkie for the best. Yeah. So the like more. the more, yeah. So even if it's like, I mean, instantly. I go to a restaurant, I'm like, how could this be better? Or my outfit or my wardrobe, uh, my closet, how could this, but what would really make my outfit? But the reality is that bar keeps on moving. So I'm Mm. never going to hit contentment. Like it's almost like it puts it out of my reach. So with boredom, the same thing with like, oh, like I'm fine and happy with the kids, but what if we made snow cones right now? That Mm. would be, and I'm mocking it, but that's literally how my brain works all the time. And it's fun because like, I think I used to just feel shame around it, but like, Oh, part of that is the reason I've started businesses and helped start groups yeah. and like started the podcast. But the idea of not bored of, of improving, but the idea of like looking for this isn't good enough. This mm. is never enough. It's yeah. kind of what f- it's f- moves out of a creative, exciting mm. space and into a place of discontent and the motive changes. Okay. You've summed that up so well. <laughs> I bow to the master. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Exactly what he said. Yeah. But yeah. So anyways, what was interesting though, is that I realized all these like three things that I was using sugar for. So comfort, um, reward reward and and boredom. boredom. I then, it was perfect timing because I was listening to Atomic Habits and a couple of the books about behavioral science. And their main thrust is that, well, one of the things they say is that if you are going to, it's not enough to just stop doing a bad habit. You have to replace it with a good yeah. habit. Like there'll be a void. And the, one of the quotes that I love, um, that was actually really revolutionary for me in Atomic Habits. I think that's what I loved. I'm loving it so much is it's so hopeful mm. is that they talk about self-control being a short-term solution. Yeah. And the idea that like, oh, like if that's your only plan for not doing the other thing, you're not going to be successful. Like you can't white white knuckle your way out of it. You actually have to be, have built good habits that are replacing some of the needs you're getting met with that bad habit, or you're just going to revert back. Yeah. Because you cannot, you cannot live life without comfort. You actually, comfort Mm -hmm. is not something you, you don't want to get rid of your desire for comfort. Like you actually want to be able to comfort yourself in a way that's healthy um, you don't want to like reward is a good thing, but you want to 
add a reward in your life that isn't replacing comfort, the real comfort that you need. Mm. And you want a reward that's actually going to like build you up, not continue to like, you know, contribute to type two diabetes. <laughs> you know, it's been interesting. The more I've been undoing this idea of food being reward and comfort, I realize how, well, first off, I think a lot of our culture does this. And I think it's because food's easy. It's almost like mm. the low hanging food fruit <laughs> or low hanging gummy bear for, um, <laughs> for comfort or connection. That's one thing too. I've been realizing how yes. often like friends get together and just do like we were saying with our date night, going to a restaurant, restaurant but yeah. I actually have found it less connecting, like mm-hmm. not saying it's never, I think right. like yeah, absolutes, yeah, of course. but it being like the frequency when people say, Hey, let's go like, let's go grab dinner. What they're really saying is I'd like to connect with you, but it's the only, we've made it synonymous where like mm-hmm. food is our only, like that's how you connect and realizing like, Oh, what if it wasn't? What no. if we talked without putting stuff in our <gasps> mouth? Or even yeah, like, and I think too, I think people think all or nothing, but I'm like, what if we just had other options instead of having yeah, there one you go. option? That's really, it. that's what I feel like even with comfort, you know, all the things I'm like, I just need to expand my, other tools that yeah. I have for these areas. You had a great analogy that I would love to try to like hit. So when you spoke at a men's group the other day, this analogy just kind of blew my mind in talking about, you can't just stop using one tool and expect, uh, expect your new life to work. You have to actually <laughs> replace it with good, better tools. So the idea was you said, um, if you realize at some point that it costs gas is just way too much right now, it costs me way too much to use my car. The cost is too high. I'm going to walk to work every day. Now I'm going to, I, I just can't use this car. So you decide you like the first few days you're excited and motivated to do it. You're like, yeah, I'm not using this thing anymore. Yeah. I'm going to save money. I'm, you know, at the same time, I'm reducing my carbon footprint. So <laughs> you walk to work with all this purpose and resolve. And at, for the first three days, you're like, okay, yeah. And then the fourth day, you're a little late to work. And you're like, you walk outside as you're about to go, but you're like, crap, I'm, I'm late. You look over at your car and you're like, use some self-control right now. I said I wasn't going to do that. I know that it cost me too much. Okay. I'm not going to use the car. and But you think about what the drive would be like, how quick it would be. And you're like, nope, 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 nope. So you get, you start going, you go, you make it through. The next day it starts drizzling outside. It's kind of chilly and you're late again. And you look at the car and you're like, use yourself. Come on, you can do this. You said you weren't going to do it. You know that it costs too much and you try to push through. But you know what? The rain is picking up. I don't have any better options. I don't know how I'm going to get to work without doing this. Okay, that okay, I'm just gonna do it. So you get back in the car. If you didn't create another way to get to work, if you didn't set up a carpool, if you didn't get a electric bicycle, yeah. if you didn't ride the bus, ride the bus, <laughs> mo- you know, move like you can, that is an option. You can move closer mm-hmm. to work, get a job that's closer to you. There's lots of other ways to that you other tools you could have implemented in order to get to work, but the you follow that up with the main idea is you need to replace your tool, not just get rid of one. You got to actually put good tools in there. And the people who are bad, people who say I'm good at self-control uh, and people who say I'm not good at self-control, there's literally no difference on the brain scans for them. The difference is in the their environments. The yeah. people who are, say they are good at self-control 
have created an environment in which they do not need to use their self-control all that often. So you walk out, that's, this person walks outside, maybe they've parked their car down the street or at a friend's house. Or, or given their friends the keys. Yeah, yeah. They, they've limited their options for that tool, but they've also, like they know they have a reliable carpool. Yeah. They know they have, uh, uh, the bus is always on time. They know that in a pinch, they can call somebody and who can, co- a coworker can come take them to work. So they have created an environment in which they do not need to use self-control. The people who say, I'm bad at self-control, have environments in which they constantly have to access their self-control, which can work for a limited amount of time, but it is a bad long-term solution to continually use your self-control. And it is a good solution to create an environment and add tools in which you don't need to access your self-control. Yeah, that's so good. And it's interesting because I think like people can be like, oh yes, that's true for porn or sugar addictions. But really like, I love Russell Brand's quote about we're all in varying levels of prison. I'm like, this Mm. actually probably like, probably everyone I would be shocked if everyone doesn't have an area that they like would like more breakthrough in Mm. whether, you know, um, that they utilize for comfort, for intimacy that they're using wrongly. Like there's a better, pure option to get what they're getting and they're using. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Actually, I forgot to say that when, um, I was realizing that I was using food for comfort at one point, the Lord was like, you realize that comforter is one of my identity, like one of the names mm. that I'm called. He's like, I'm known and I like, because I give comfort. And when you turn to food for comfort, you actually don't, you're taking your need for me out. So it actually, you are some of the, the, the purpose that I have in my relationship with you, you, it's like your motivation to connect with me. You're mm. so you're robbing yourself of some of your connection in like the kindest way possible. And even yeah. like how much better is God at actually comforting me? Mm. Like I know that to be true than right. food, but if I could grab a cookie instead of prayerfully <laughs> chat with Jesus, most likely I'm going to do the easy low hanging fruit, you know? Totally. It's way easier that way. Yeah. So what is, if, if it's a solution for comfort, um, and we say comfort, reward, boredom, uh, overwhelm, different things that have like layers beneath them. What I'd say comfort is one of the big ones. Yeah. Um, cause even you can find comfort behind boredom, behind reward. Yeah, so true. What is a way that you can practice actually giving yourself real comfort? Um, well, actually that was one, the first step is that like, when I realized like, okay, like, so I was turning to food cause I felt like, um, some shame. Mm. I, instead of trying to throw a cookie at it, I actually started just stopping and being like, okay, what, what do I feel? Okay. Now what do I want to eat? Like, what do I feel? And practicing like self comfort of like, Mm. okay, I feel, I feel shame because of the the scene (laughs) as my kids left the YMCA and another mom saw and you know, Mm. all the stories I'm telling myself. And instead of like, actually, if I threw a cookie at this moment, I wouldn't sit in it. So sitting Mm. with like, that was actually really hard. You're doing a really hard thing. And you were trying to be kind by signing up for swim lessons, but it's been so much more of a footprint and so much chaotic and always fight, you know, like actually be like, that's hard. You're doing something really hard. And I feel like so known, like if I get vulnerable with myself and actually figure out what the emotion is, um, which is interesting, but oh, anyway, so then I was like comforting myself and I could like feel it and like sit with it and sit with myself. I actually, oftentimes when I'm feeling like doing this, I put my hands on my like, on like your breast chest. Bone. Yeah. Like my chest. Um, because 
it like reminds me that I'm do just like if a friend, honestly, it's, it was kind of natural, but I think it's cause like if a friend was expressing something hard, you'd probably put your arm, like you'd your think hand about on their shoulder, yeah, some level of sympathy, their back. Yeah, yeah. It's like the same. And it also it's reminds me to be present. Touch. Yeah. It's compassionate touch. It reminds me to be present with myself that I'm actually mm. doing something to not just mentally hop out of the moment, but like yeah. stay engaged. Um, but it was interesting cause you know, we love Glenn, Dr. Glenn and Phyllis and I had, they had posted something about, um, which I think we, we actually talked about and we did, but a little it's bit worth of bringing up again that like, um, well, can you read? Yeah. You yeah so his quote is, um, behavior shifts when core emotion is conveyed. Then he follows it up with when we convey core emotion from a position of vulnerability, we process what is happening for us as an individual. And when you do this, it clears the limbic system, which is your fight, flight, fawn, or freeze area of your brain. It clears that system, allowing the cortexes to engage more fully, resulting in becoming a smarter version of ourselves and behaving more successfully. When So essentially, when we have strong emotion, some core emotions, fear, sadness, shame, guilt, etc., anger, our limbic system is lighting up and that's telling us like, hey, we need to either fight, we need to run away, we need to fawn, we need to just stop, whatever. And when that system is lit up, there is less activity happening. It actually shuts down your cortexes, which is the the front behind your forehead, the area of your brain that is re- responsible for long-term decision-making, rational thought, yeah. um, processing lots of things. And so when you actually become a dumber version of yourself when you experience core emotion. This isn't a bad thing. This is actually a survival thing. So you don't want to think through, um, is that a log or is that an alligator? <laughs> um, you want yourself to go, yikes, it's an alligator. Because the people who engage their cortex before their limbic system in actual unsafe environments don't survive, which <laughs> is why this happens for us. So when you are able to um, process with express the core emotion that you are experiencing, it actually allows your limbic system to um, like to realize essentially you're safe, that you, you're getting the stuff out, out of you. It turns your cortexes back on, which allows you to make more rational long-term thinking. Which was so interesting because I was realizing, oh, this is actually like brain proof that our brains can operate like when i was giving myself compassion Mm. it was requiring vulnerability like the boredom the overwhelmed is not vulnerable therefore if i stayed there i wasn't actually able to process it in a way that was helpful but when i was able to actually be vulnerable with myself and talk about what was really motivating my need for like the ice Mm. cream i then could behave differently because it actually Mm. successfully kind of like used my operating system like god made us to use it yeah. you know like processed and flushed and then i was like no i don't need that ice. it's not a life or death because i actually dress the pain like i could be yes, fine without there the ice you cream. go yeah. um and then also too like i actually uh started inviting god into it because mm. there's times that like i would say most of the time i was able to figure out what i felt but then sometimes i'm like man can you just like can you help me i'm not connecting the dots of what i'm feeling or because i had said he gave me the invite of like, Hey, you can turn to me as the comforter. Like, Hey, if you're using faux comfort, I know a guy who's good at the real stuff. (laughs) His name is the comforter. (laughs) Me. So anyways, just actually accessing the, like the Lord more than I have probably in years Mm. since I stopped, like probably in the last, like since January, gone after like not using food for my crutch for comfort, like way more. 
Wow. So often it's like, oh yeah, wow. It's it's shocking. It was shocking to me that I was, thor- it was thorning my relationship with God. Can That's you tell me like, w- describe what that looks like to actually receive comfort from him? Yeah. Sometimes it was just as simple as like, God, this really, like, it's funny because I think sometimes you could be like, dear Christ, heavenly father <laughs> up above, Jaira, you know, like list the names. I would be needing my comfort in this moment. No, I'm just kidding. But with me, it's more like, it's usually like when I couldn't do it myself, it was probably because I was disproportionate or didn't have time or rush. And I was just, I would literally be like, couldn't access my vulnerable emotion. I'd be like, God, this freaking sucks. <laughs> this is hard. And this stinks. Mm. And just sitting there without actually having to make it pretty or whatever, I would just feel He's like, oh, it is so hard. Like, just mm. could tap into like what I heard him saying about me and to me and just empathizing. He's like, I mean, like if Dr. Glenn wrote down the connection codes, God invented them. You know, like so him being yeah. the king of like, oh <laughs> Yeah, going like, oh wow. Like actually showing you some compassion and Yeah. And feeling it. Like I could feel mm. like I could feel not every time, but sometimes just actually feel his presence and be like mm. <sighs> thanks like I needed that feel known and then even sometimes he would connect the dots of do you want to I'm like I wonder why you're feeling that or you know or where'd you learn that and I'd be like I don't know where actually where did I learn that was mm. a big part of my journey of um remembering that like I've been using food for comfort since I was little and mm. felt overwhelmed and it was wow. funny because initially when I realized that I remember like the Lord was like, when was the first time you acted out and used food, like in, um, binged on food? And it was like a memory of me being little, a little girl with like Christmas cookies. And it's funny because I know that like sometimes with counseling, if you can um, like remember the first time you can engage with compassion. But I remember mm. that when I had that memory come to mind, I actually, I felt a little like, oh, sad, but then just disdain if I'm mm. honest. I'm like, for the little, little girl. Yeah. I'm like, that's gross and then i i felt like the lord challenging me to like think more like bigger picture what was Mm. going on and i remembered the stressful events that had been had led up to that specific day and the overwhelmed and how i actually turned i needed comfort and i didn't it wasn't available to me and i used food and he was like in the most kind way like of course jenna like you needed comfort it wasn't available and you found it in food like i don't hate like i'm not mad at you i don't think you're broken or less than or terrible that you've this is a tool that you've been using since you were eight you know and it was interesting because then i connected with like what would i tell my daughter who's eight right if this happened i'm like would i be full of contempt and disgust disgust or would i like if she said any of the things i was thinking about myself i would instantly correct her. and just mm. like it really helped i don't know like almost take it i was realizing i was every time i did it or used it or acted out i would have this judge or, or you know like tell me all the reasons i sucked and yeah. why i was guilty and why i was less than mm. less of an adult because i have an eight pound bag of gummy bears in my car mm. less able to control myself how, like just read me the right act of all my flaws yeah. is really what would happen when it act out but instead like this idea of like replacing that with like almost like a curious scientist was like, why or where did we learn that? Or what is this? What is this? How is this serving us? Cause you wouldn't mm. keep doing something if it didn't have a purpose. So instead of almost like partnering with shame and yeah. being locked up, I, when I wasn't motivated by shame and when I like did that, when I realized 
how long I've been using sugar like this since mm-hmm. I was eight, but realizing how innocent of a yeah experience it was, I was able to be like, it was, it was a big shift in my journey being motivated by kindness for yeah. myself. Like, Oh, mm. it's like, I see how you got here. Like eight year old Jenna needed this tool to find safety and comfort. 36 year old Jenna doesn't need yeah like sugar. And actually sh- sugar isn't serving me like right. that. It's not providing the things I think mm. I'm using it for. But instead of being, like I said, disdain, disgust, yeah. shame, I have, I can do like, it's now motivated out of kindness and empathy. So Romans 2, 4 says, did you not know that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance? And repentance is not saying, oh, I'm sorry, but it's actually changing, changing. the direction oh, that you're heading. So what that tells me is that if you want to change, you have to know his kindness. And if we're made in the image of God, if we're to be like him, then we have to actually, if we want to experience change, we need to engage our own kindness for ourselves. You cannot actually experience true change through self-contempt, through berating yourself, through judging and adding, heaping on more shame. It just doesn't work. Honestly, it does the opposite where it just oh, freezes yeah. you up. It keeps you stuck in there. Yeah. Kindness is the only thing that will lead to change. And so you actually have to engage with that, not, you have to see, if you can't see God's kindness or if you can't hear his kindness, like you see a harsh, you hear a harsh voice, you see a harsh face, um, you actually, you need to change, you need to change the way that you see God. Your view of God is skewed in such a way that you're probably seeing your dad, you're probably seeing your mom, probably seeing uh, some authority figure because they were our examples for God. And so, if you cannot see the kindness of God, then you're not really looking at his face. And that's mm-hmm. not a judgment on you. That is to say, you know what? Get a different God. Because yeah. <laughs> the one you have is not is not your friend. Like, you want to see the kindness. That's probably why, too, when I would ask for his comfort, like, turn to him for comfort, it worked. Mm. It's because I, like, experienced him to love and want the best for me and assume the best and help me out of stuck situations, not... You know, like you said, heap on the shame. He's yeah. like, oh, no, you can be freer than this, Jenna. Like, mm. are you willing to do the work to to not use these things that you thought were helping you but are actually crutches to keeping you wow. at this yeah. level? That's so good. Um, so you said like not you're like you invite Jesus into this and you um experience ask like, hey, what do you see? So you had mentioned that there was instead of using the judge, you're really accessing the, in order to access compassion for yourself, you're kind of accessing the scientist. Yeah. And the scientist- I actually really have started calling it that very I, much. I love head. it because it's so, it changes the way that you approach yourself. Mm-hmm. So imagine that um, you have a judge sitting here and he has to figure out the problem versus a scientist. And the judge says, this is bad. Or this is good. They pa- the judge's job is to pass judgment and call it something. Whereas the scientist, his favorite word is interesting. I wonder what's happening here. And they almost like it when things different things happen because right. then they're like, "Why did it happen?" So like, you mix, you would mix these two chemicals together, and it exploded. And you went, you didn't go, "Wow, you suck!" Because mm-hmm. you made this explode. You went. The scientist goes. So interesting. I wonder what it was about the, what variables 
that were added into this equation, into this mix that caused this reaction. Let's look at these variables. And that's like totally the same timing that Atomic Habits came into my life, which I almost like don't even know if I can get it. I was like, that might have to be another episode of how much, but yeah. like it, it always talks about the tools that you have, your environment, your community, your cues, and the idea of like, oh, there's actually a ton of stuff in this scientific experience. It's not just my morality or my goodness that mm. causes this to work or me to pass or fail. So it actually it opened my eyes to like, oh, it's not just me wanting to, hoping that I'm not as crappy as I think I am. <laughs> yeah, so. you're not actually just blindly going like, no, I don't suck. And just saying that, like you're actually going like, there are things at play here that I want to find out and then I want, I can actually do something about that. But it does require you to not beat yourself up in the process. Yeah. You do have to access some kindness. You know, what's interesting too is, um, so I started being a health coach about a year in January. So like yeah. a year, three months ago. And that layer of accountability has motivated me to like, to actually get to the roots of this because mm. I was, it was like, I found success with the tool, like the, mm -hmm. all the program, but then realizing like there's still roots that I'm using food for something that's not what it's not meant to use. So it's right. going to pop back up unless I get to the roots and I can't be someone who's in genuine to be leading other people, but not have figured. So it's not like I've done it perfectly, but the idea of I won't give up because yeah. it's worth, it's actually been huge. If I hadn't had that layer of accountability, I don't know that I would have yeah. dove this deep and discovered these things. I remember being like, okay, I guess I'm going to figure this out for once in it all. If I'm going to be a health coach, I got to look at this sucker and see what's under the hood, not just, you know, what's an obvious external thing. So, so in addition to, you know, talking with God about this, like what, ha what are some other ways that you receive comfort? Oh, oh you know, what's interesting is um, one of the things that got a lot easier is in reading Atomic Habits, they talk about like the power of automating stuff. So I think most mm. of us think through like, well, for me, grocery delivery, like getting your groceries delivered is super helpful or um, like setting your sprinkler alarm for your sprinklers so that oh, sorry, sure. sprinkler timer, not alarm. Your sprinklers are going off. Your sprinklers <laughs> are going off. Just kidding. Sorry. But so that you don't have to water them and you don't have a dead lawn. But the um, what happened for me is I realized like I have a wealth of people in my life mm. that I like that I have history with that are phenomenal people. Like I have more people than I have time to mm. give, but I'm not seeing them on a regular basis because uh -huh. we're, we're all doing stuff. We're all so busy. Yeah. So a couple there's three people, like three girls that I really wanted to see on a weekly basis. I'm like, I get so much from it and I feel so known leaving it. Can we find a time in our schedules that we could um, meet every week? And I, for lack of a better word, automated those friendships mm. where I have like one's 45 minutes. Actually, I think all of them are like 45 minutes or less, which normally I would think like, Oh, we need hours and hours. But because I see them every week, yeah, I'm have I'm known and we're just catching up. We're not, we're staying present or constant, You're staying current. Yeah. Versus catching up, which yes. is kind of what, and um, it was so interesting, but that added a level of buffer. Like I had more margin because when things did come up, um, that were painful or hard that I would norm like need comfort for. I actually was processing it real time with people. And it's mm. funny because the Glenn, you know, the connection codes, um, the quote about this regulation with um, self-regulation with being expressing vulnerable. Well, what he said when we asked him was that when you do it with someone else, it's 80% easier. Yeah. Like it literally uses 
80% less glucose. What was the analogy of like, it's like yeah. 20 miles a gallon. Yeah. Versus self-regulation is like getting 20 miles a gallon in your car and co-regulation using somebody else that you're conveying the emotion to is like getting a hundred miles to the, uh, per gallon. So in your I car. could process the same thing with my friends and it'd be way more efficient, way more efficiently. Like you can get actually get so yourself much. to a regulated state way so much quicker and with less energy. So, um, Anyways, and it took a lot of work because we're all so busy. Like it took mm. weeks to figure out and it hasn't been like we've not missed weeks, but prioritizing it. And all of them happen at like 5.30, 5.45 in the morning because it's worth it for me to not get bumped, not be at the mercy of all the doctor's appointments, after school things to get regularly connected. So mm. now it's like when something comes up and because I have them interspersed throughout the week, if something comes up on Tuesday, it's not like I have to wait till next Monday to tell Jess about it. I know that I'm going to see Serena that afternoon or if it happens on Thursday, I'll see Michelle on Friday. So it's like, um, this margin of being known gave me actual comfort. I was processing in real time. So I didn't get to like almost like disaster relief (laughs) where I needed like, I needed it. It was overwhelming. I couldn't handle because it'd be building up. It's like I'm actually taking out my garbage regularly (laughs) with friends, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because as adults, we just don't prioritize friendship the same way. And like we love the people and we do, I think we do lots of group things, but I just have realized that like that's not this, I'm not known on the same level as, and and know my friend. It's not just about my needs getting met, obviously, yeah. but the one-on-one, I was like, I need to actually create space that I can get this on a regular basis. So that was a big deal and getting Huge. some breakthrough in this. And because you, you had talked about af- it was in the course of feel- getting that connection on a more regular basis and doing it in a way that's automated so it's not as like... Finding it every week. Yeah. yeah, finding a new time every week. But in the course of doing that, you found that um, it was like saying no to food that or you know food was less tempting if yeah. you will yeah literally because i think again like i said i had more margin it wasn't mm. like i was i wasn't trying to use i was using food because i was hungry not because i needed comfort wow because i was all those pain points that i needed comfort for i was being known and processing them you're like, actually, actually receiving processing. comfort yeah in real time in healthy ways and then that actually worked yeah and so that I okay. It doesn't mean that it took it away entirely, but it made so much. It was so much more margin to like. Nope, I can just gonna. And it was interesting too, listening to Russell Brand's recovery book. He talks in the twelve step program how they don't think about like I'll never drink alcohol again. He's like just this minute, this hour. So a lot of times when I've wanted to like uh, imagine, I'm like you're not saying no forever. I'm just saying let's go do something else and let's see Mm. like not making it bite-sized chunks in my recovery. And then even actually, it was really interesting the other day I wanted to, it was like boredom. And I went, I went to the pantry and I was, and we, I don't keep as much in the house now because of, yeah. you know, making my need for self utilizing self-control less, but there was cinnamon toast crunch oh, and there. Yeah. And I like, literally I went and I like opened, I was like going for the box. And I remember thinking, you're actually looking for more happiness and happiness is not found there. Like it's actually doesn't exist in that Mm. box. There's a dopamine hit you're going to get from the refined sugar, but happiness isn't there. Why don't we think of some other ways that we could like Mm. go get real, like real. And then I think I went and played with kids or something like that, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was, yeah. I actually have, it's changed. I feel like I'm more present of a mom. Wow. 
it's and it's not like it's easy, but I'm like, oh, there's like major ramifications of this. So the way that I see this, this is what like I think real freedom looks like. I think especially when we talk about say porn addiction, food addiction, like addiction in general, there's this idea, especially in the Christian culture, of this word freedom. And freedom for me always meant I just won't want that stuff anymore. Like I won't <laughs> want to look at porn. I won't I won't be drawn to naked women or whatever. And for you, like, oh, that's I'll look at sugar and go, like, no gross. gross, don't need it. <laughs> but there it's not Instead necessarily of right now, which is don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the here's what I think freedom is like. Um, that scripture, this, and I've referenced scripture a lot, which is not I my know. normal. Look at me, spiritual and stuff. I also get nervous when you do it. I don't know why. I'm like, are you gonna take a crazy one? <laughs> like, totally, totally. That would be you like your one-liners that are shocking. Yeah, so I'm no, like, this is not. This like is that. the is the psalm where he says, "Um, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My enemy is right there." But I'm not pointing at me. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) My enemy is right there. I'm not fighting them though. Like I'm aware that they're there. I'm enjoying myself. The enemy is still there. So at any point, I could pick up and fight, and I may need to. But really, like the freedom I experience is my enemy is right there, and yet I'm just enjoying myself. Like I'm living life to the fullest. I'm. I feel good, but I don't need to fight all the time. It's not a constant struggle. So I can, sugar can be there. I have access to porn 24 hours a day on my phone, mm-hmm. on my smart TV, on my computer. Um, so it's not like it's outside of my reach, but the amount of connection and comfort that I receive on a regular basis through my relationships um, and the the ways that I'm pers- I have passion projects where I can, I feel purposeful, I feel powerful, pursuing things that are difficult. I don't feel like I have to fight that off every time I sit down to my computer to say, write my book. I'm not like the, Mm. my enemy is right there. It's, it's literally 10 keystrokes away, one click, but I'm, I'm having a feast in front of that. And I'm like, Oh, there's no problem. Most of the time, honestly, don't even think about it. I do. There are moments where I'm like, Ooh, it's there. I could like, I could engage with that. But the draw is so much less now that I'm all the things that I was using that for have actually are covered. Like Mm. I don't feel a deep Mm. gap. Now, that isn't to say that. So there's one time there's a bunch of flies in our backyard and we're right on our porch where we like to eat. We're like, gosh, what the heck? And I was killing, I was shooting them all with my fly salt gun and (laughs) trying to swat them all. And then I realized, oh, you know what? The trash is full. And it's, we have a trash can in our backyard and the trash is full with food from what we had had earlier in the day. So I took the trash out and um, killed the remaining flies, put a clean bag in, and there were no more flies. Now you could ask, hey, does that, now that you've like eradicated the flies, does that mean you will never have flies again? And I'd say, no, as long as I take, well, I I'll, I won't have flies as long as I take the trash out. Mm-hmm. So you, you like this is not a one and done. This is a yeah. present and progressive action of getting known, finding comfort in healthy places ongoing. If you start to neglect that, you will see flies start showing up. You will have to start fighting more and more. It will become more difficult. You will have to access self-control more. But when you're taking the trash out on a regular basis, aka expressing and processing core emotion, there's just, the flies don't show up that often. That's so, so true. That's good, babe. Do you think, 
Okay, we've never done this before, but mm. do you, would you mind if I prayed for people? Do it. Okay. So it's been interesting as I've been doing this journey with myself, I've just felt the Lord so strongly in this, like there's so much hope. So mm. for anyone who's listening in any area, just think of the area that you feel kind of like hopeless, like you resigned to be powerless, that that probably is always going to be controlling you on some level, whether it's porn, sugar, food, shopping, social media, video games, video games, whatever, whatever your various level of prison is. Um, it's actually doesn't have to be that mm-hmm. it's not, it's not hopeless. You're not powerless. Yep. Any, um, it's so easy to think of all the, like kind of almost list your rap sheet of times you failed mm. and broken trust with yourself. But that doesn't mean that you can't restore the trust or that it's hopeless. I think even the interesting thing about diving in the atomic habit boot club with all of my friends is that like, yes, a lot of the areas that we feel hopeless is because we could say like, Oh, these aren't weak. These are weak areas in weaknesses in me. But that's taking, I think, like God out of the equation. It's mm. not just you facing them. Like he, our hope is in him, not in our ability to execute. So like you don't actually have to do this on your own, which sounds so cheesy and trite, but it's like, it actually gave me a ton of hope. Like, oh, it's not just me white knuckling it. Mm. And I don't have to be powerless. Like what other area of my life have I resigned to powerlessness? Like I'm not powerless to this area. So any yeah. area, whatever you're thinking about that you have felt hopeless, trapped, like it's for your, your forever, um, that there's not breakthrough. I just want you to like break that off of yourself, like to see it snapping and mm-hmm. being so suspicious that that like just the next time you hear your inner critic being like, well, that's just who you are. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. Like being suspicious, like, oh, but does it have to be mm-hmm. like your scientist coming in and be like, no, I don't, I don't agree with that being absolute truth. Mm. This is not hopeless. I am not hopeless. You are not hopeless. You're not powerless. There is hope. There's mm. always hope. And I give you permission to look at your failures and look at your current situation and look at yourself with kindness mm. and not contempt. I give you permission to not berate yourself And instead, in moments where you particularly feel weak, where you feel shame, to put your hand on your chest and say, I see that you feel this shame. You say your name too. Aaron, I see that you feel this shame. I'm sorry that you feel this shame. You deserve to feel comfort. You deserve to feel joy. You deserve to feel secure. I give you permission to cast off the voice of the judge. You have a judge. He's called you clean. It's been decided. I give you permission to cast off the the judge that's calling you something other than that and to look at yourself and speak to yourself with kindness. It's funny because I felt like I saw us wanting to pull out our list of all of our flaws and as evidence as for evidence. who we are. And the Lord, I just felt like God kind of looked over his shoulder and was like, I'm pretty sure that was all taken care of at the cross. 
you're bringing up old stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Thanks, Pim. Yeah. Well, I love you. And thanks for listening with us, guys. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I love, love you, babe. babe.